0: another friday edition of frl one day before leap day as you pointed out
1: yeah that is your fun fact for the day tomorrow is leap day and uh it doesn't count Any- so whatever happens tomorrow there are no rules uh, i
0: don't know that it's that that's basically the purge i don't know that that's how it works uh if you don't think that the fact that leap day is tomorrow is a fun fact then you can just get out of here right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but other good things going on other than leap day We have NCAA allocations. Yeah, we do. And you've been deep in NCAA allocations. We're going to get into those in a little bit. Uh, We've got other things to talk about. We've got conference weekend coming up next week. Um, We have trophy talk. We've got the coronavirus taking over the the wrestling world in Asia and uh, high school state tournaments. So we're going to get to all of that here. And, yeah, glad to check in. So Mm -hmm. you've been neck deep in allocations, and you projected those – Last week, how how close were you to? to oh man, right? I should
1: have done that. I didn't run the numbers. I had, uh, I think I had two hundred and seventy six projected, and two hundred and eighty three was what they finally came out with. Okay. The so the thing that I that the thing that I used to struggle with was guys who would get RPI get over the the well formerly seventeen match limit. This year it's back to fifteen over yep. the seventeen match limit, and where they would fall in, and that would always screw me up. This year. Where I got screwed up was there was there was, you know, this has been. I think this has been an even more weird season than in college wrestling than usual. Obviously, like every college wrestling season is weird and has goofy things, but I think this one has been even a little weirder than usual. And where I struggled was, I had a few weights where I only had maybe twenty-five or twenty-six guys projected, and I knew that they were going to try to get. Uh, to 27, 28, or 29. So I knew sure. I was going to leave some on the table. Sure. I just didn't know where, you know, basically what will happen is a guy who's maybe just outside the coach's rank that gets into 29th come, you know, so the, the last coach's rank was like the 13th or whatever. So come the 27th, they go from out of it to 29th, right? So then they slide in or they go from, you know, their their RPI goes from thirty second up to twenty six. Okay. So those were the ones that that ended up biting me, and those were the those were the ones where I screwed up. Um, Marcus Coleman did, and, and uh, Johnny Sebastian of the Iowa State tournament fame. Uh, they both they both qualified allocations for their conference. Yeah. So
0: it looked like it worked. One, it looked like one one case in which maybe it didn't work um, was Paul Bianchi. Uh, Correct. So, Pac-12 still just has one bid at 133, and uh, Coach Dresser, when he came on FRL this week to talk with Christian and Ben and Bradkey, he said he mentioned a, a you know a school that sent a 133 pounders, I think referring to Bianchi of of Arkansas Little Rock, um, but Pac-12 just with one, um, just still with one qualifier. So, mm-hmm. um, it didn't work in that case, but it did in the cases of of Marcus Coleman and Johnny Sebastian. So, very interesting.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, looking at the the allocations themselves, um, you know, again, we, we went over the projections on Monday, so we don't need to get too deep into them. But at 165 and 197 there were only 27 spots allocated, meaning there are six wild cards available. So theoretically at those weights, you have the most margin for error, I would say, because yeah. of the amount of extra, Uh, The amount of extra wild cards or at-large bids is the technical term. Uh, And then 125 and 157, 184, there were 28 automatic qualifications handed out, so there will be five wild cards in those weight classes. A little kind of inside baseball stuff for you guys. The maximum that they are allowed to give out is 29. Mm -hmm. So there will always be at least four wild cards, at least under the current rules. Under the current rules, there will always be at least four wild cards available after conference weekend. The, it used to be um, again. I wrote this in the article. It used to be there was a minimum of 25. Um, I I haven't seen a minimum since I wrote that. I think that was two years ago. But the last two years, last three years running now, the lowest that any conference excuse me that any weight has received is 27. Okay,
0: so there are five weight classes with 29, and that means those are the weight those weight classes all have a low margin for error. Yes. 133, 141. 149, 174, and 285. Now, the thing that's that the, the one that jumps off the page to me is one hundred thirty three, where Sebastian Rivera is ranked third in the country, but by us. by us, but is not um is not is not, you know, has not received an allocation. So that's one way where you, you can pretty much plan on sebastian rivera taking one of those qualifying spots and and so that that kind of already makes 133 a weight class where you know you just don't have much Mm -hmm. much room for error
1: so and again i've I've been doing the the big 10 seeds and um it was my understanding that this year they're seeding all 14 guys out in a weight regardless of how many allocations they got last year they seeded 14 if they got eight or more allocations. So um, if they change that – and, again, I, and I wrote this when I did the 133-pound seeds uh, uh, or when I planned to write the, the initial 133-pound seeds. I knew or I felt very strongly that they were only going to get seven bids, which is what ended up happening. Yeah. They got seven bids at 133, six bids at 157, six bids at 197, and seven bids at 285. So, again, it is my understanding. I've been putting it in every article. Um, so you know, yell at me if I'm wrong, but – I was shown something that said every weight has to have 14 seeds so if that is carried out then the ones and twos will get buys at big tens and then um everyone else will will fight on uh and for the the brackets where there's eight or more there'll be a ninth place bracket um you know for 149 ninth place bracket will actually decide allocations because there's 10. uh and then you know at like 125 141 where there's eight allocations they'll go to ninth because that one extra qualifying spot is a is a criteria for a wild card so you know using a weight that using a conference that's a little more normal um the mac has three has three allocations at 125 so getting fourth in the mac is very important if you're trying to get a wild card yeah makes sense
0: totally makes sense um thinking about 184 you know you mentioned that johnny both johnny sebastian and uh marcus coleman Earned spots for their conference. Big 12 at 184 has five auto-qualifying spots. Big Ten at 184 has 10. Um, so you know the the Big Ten bracket is gonna is gonna fall into that that ninth place bracket that you mentioned, and they're gonna have to run that all the way out. Um, but in the Big 12, that's a pretty big difference going from four qualifiers to five. Um so yeah, you know, thinking about that that conversation earlier this week about coach dresser kind of manufacturing a bracket so that coleman gets the number of results and then is able to earn a spot for the conference you know we, we mentioned this last week but um certainly coach dresser helps his athlete but i think probably also you know other other big 12 coaches are um happy to see that there's that extra spot right wrestling for for a true fourth place match um i don't know it's you know Makes makes things a lot more difficult, especially considering that you know Marcus Coleman might be one of the guys that you would expect to take a spot. If you look mm-hmm. at at the rankings right now, 184. We've got those pulled up. Um, there's a Big 12 wrestler ranked behind Marcus Coleman in Wyoming's Tate Samuelson. And so you know if if Samuelson had been somebody that maybe was in that spot to qualify, and then all of a sudden Coleman beats him, and now you've got a guy who's already qualified for NCAA's last year, and Samuelson staying home, right? Um, that that's that's no good. That's of course you know annoying mm-hmm. to the, the Wyoming coaches in that case. So, I you know obviously Coach Dresser wanted Marcus Coleman to have the best shot at qualifying, but I think other coaches in the Big Twelve are probably happy to see that extra spot.
1: Yeah, and one thing that's interesting about 184. So, uh, so if you read through if you read through the allocation literature. Um, you know that there is a sliding scale okay so the lowest that they're going to go to get 29 bids is 30th in the coaches rank 30th in the RPI and then a 700 win percentage mm-hmm. but sometimes because it ends up with greater than 29 they slide they slide those up sure so it it goes up 10 it goes up uh to like 10%, right so uh it goes from 30 Thirty thirty seven hundred to twenty nine twenty nine seven ten twenty eight twenty eight seven two. Now I did not run these numbers yet. Uh, however, a guy on the BWI forum, which forums are usually you know full bunch of cuckoos, you but get, this guy, yeah, this forums. guy uh, for the last few years has done um, really good allocation work. I would actually like to um, see if I can get in contact with him. But he ended up figuring out that the the and, and you can do this when, you know once you get your hands on the numbers, but he figured out that the scale moved up at 184. And mm-hmm. so the two guys that were on the bubble because of Coleman were Jonathan Lowe of Cornell and Max Lyon of Purdue. Mm-hmm. So it slid up to 28-28, uh, in 184. Marcus Coleman finished 28th in the coaches' rank. And then um, got in on, on RPI. Yeah. So the Big Ten could have had 11 qualifying spots. Wow. At this weight. And the EIWA could have gone from 4 to 5, which in yeah. EIWA is very big because they don't do true placement. Yeah. So and now you got to win your conference semi uh, in the EIWA 184.
0: And those EIWA brackets are massive, right? Mm-hmm. 17 teams. Um, so top four is... You know, it's hard it's hard you gotta win a lot of matches to, to be top four okay
1: yeah so a lot a, a lot of nerdy stuff but it's really important um, because uh, as we mentioned on Monday you know bray said the, the line is defined you now yeah. know what your performance marker is for the you know for the conference championship so basically you, you look at the season yeah right so you have October 10th first day of practice November 1st first day of competition February 23rd last day of competition yeah February 27th Allocations come out, and then, you know, over the next um, not week because we're on Friday, conference tournaments will start, but over the next four or five days, conference tournament precedes will start coming out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, you start figuring out where you are in the bracket and what you need to do to get over that performance line, get qualified for NCAAs because an at large bid is a total crapshoot. Yeah. Because what you're dealing with is guys who are like 29th in the coaches' poll, and then they finished outside their, you know, their, their conference qualifying, so they could drop they could drop out of the mm-hmm. coaches' poll, you know, and then your RPI could be affected. So, um, as always, just get it done on conference weekend. You won't yeah. have to worry about anything.
0: Yeah, you know, we, yeah, I mentioned drawing that line, and I mean that's the cool thing, right? Every single bracket in every single conference tournament has one of the, has a line where you place above this, you're in; you place below it, you might not be in; you still could, mm-hmm. but you might not be. Um, so. I, I took a look at the Big Ten brackets and just looked at where that line is. We can run through those, but a fun exercise for, for uh, this weekend, will be looking at brackets for all the conference tournaments. Mm-hmm. But um, so in the Big Ten at 125, there are eight auto qualifiers. The eighth ranked um, guy that we have in our rankings is Michael D'Agostino of Northwestern. He's been ranked, I think, as high as eighth in the country this year. Yeah. Um, but so he's he's kind of ranked in that last spot to qualify and then below him – are guys like um, Eric Barnett from Wisconsin, Alex Tomza from Nebraska, and then down at 12th, Malik Heinzelman, who was an NCAA qualifier last year. So Mm -hmm. plenty of tough guys at 125 that are currently ranked to not qualify. Um, 133 has seven auto qualifiers, seventh place Ranked guy is uh, Ridge Lovett from Nebraska. Below that, Garrett Pepple of Michigan State. Now, Pepple actually was awarded one of those allocation spots because Sebastian Rivera is ranked I think ahead of him.
1: Sebastian might have got one. I'll have to double check. Really? Um, yeah, I know. I know that. Uh, I know that Signal Pirate put it out, but he had he had over eight matches for win percentage, and he was number ten in the coaches' rank. So I think he was okay. But regardless, the Pepple is still on the outside looking in if he's the eighth seed. Yep. And uh the term that uh, Christian used on on FRL yesterday, now he was talking about All-Americans, but he said, you know, the gatekeepers for All-American. Mm-hmm. Well, the gatekeeper to get into that that last qualifying spot for 133 is Ridge Lovett. Yeah. So can you know number eight Garrett Pepple, number nine Caden Rooks, number ten uh, Austin Assad knock off you know seventh-ranked Ridge Lovett or sixth-ranked Sammy Alvarez? Again, these are conference rankings. Yeah. To to get in and get in that automatic qualifying spot.
0: At 141, eight auto qualifiers and sit at number eight, the gatekeeper, that's Dylan Duncan of Illinois. Um, And below him, Cole Matton of Michigan, Alec McKenna. Of Northwestern, Jojo Aragona of Rutgers, a, a freshman that coming into the year a lot of people thought would, would have a really nice season.
1: Um, we need to talk about this one because it, it's it's really tremendously interesting. So uh, as Bray said, you have eight auto qualifiers. We know who one and two are going to be. Nick is going to be number one. Mm-hmm. Luke is going to be number two. Then there's the, then there's a, a round robin, a ranker's delight, you know, a rock, paper, scissors for mm-hmm. three, four, five. Chad Red beat Max Murin. Max Murin beat Tristan Moran. Tristan Moran beat Chad Red. How does that all shake out? I think you know you can use our conference rankings. You can use our national rankings. Coaches can theoretically do whatever the heck they want because there are no actual rules in the Big Ten seeding. Mm-hmm. But all of them have a case because they've all lost to to Liam Pletcher or you know at least one of them. They've all beaten the guys below them, so they got to fall in line in some order. And you know four and five end up being the same, but three, it's a lot easier. You know once you once you make the, the semis, you're in. Yeah. Um, then you have Mitch McKee. Who is the six and you know has beaten? Um, I believe he's beaten all those guys before, so he can continue to do it. But then seven through ten. So again, the, the marker is eighth. So you have to get top eight. I went. You know, me and me and Brackey were talking about this. Um, I went with Phileas. Um, we 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 have Phileas ranked seventh, Duncan ranked eighth, Madden ranked ninth, and McKenna ranked tenth. Well, McKenna beat Phileas. Phileas mm-hmm. beat Duncan. Duncan beat Madden and on down the line there's a bunch of conflicting results there so the way that that gets seeded will also be tremendously important so you're going to want to look at the three through five and then the seven through ten and 141 um because and and again you know you got to win them but your path is very important to determine how you can do
0: absolutely 149 this is a bracket that has 10 auto qualifiers so a lot of guys getting in for the big 10 but despite that even some really good guys that are on the outside looking in Griffin Perriot's the ten, the ranked 10th right now in our big 10 rankings. And so he's the gatekeeper, but Gerard Angelo of Rutgers has had really good moments this year mm-hmm. and he's sitting at 11th just outside that, that top 10 spot. So keep your eyes on him. Um, man, any of these weight classes where this many guys gets in, it's like one slip up here or there and, and you know, somebody gets in that maybe we weren't, weren't expecting.
1: And, you know, I was talking to a coach last night and we were saying that ninth place bracket is a total crapshoot. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. once you're in it, it, you know, it's your fourth or fifth match of the tournament. You're, you're just clawing to try to qualify. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're actually some of the most fun matches to watch because you're fighting for your tournament life. It, you're basically overperforming how you were doing all year yeah. and it's just a, it's just it's just total crapshoot it's great
0: yeah uh 157 is one of the one of the slimmest weight classes for the big 10 six auto qualifiers and the sixth the the number six guy in our rankings is peyton Robb of nebraska um so guys that are below him ryan thomas of minnesota he's been ranked uh, at various points this year. He's had some nice moments. Quinn Kinner of Ohio State, who beat Brady Berge in who might game.
1: not even be their starter might because not be their starter. Elijah Cleary beat him at Matt Town.
0: Yeah. So so we don't even know who you know who they're gonna send. Um Eric Barone, Baroni? Barone? He's Barone. he's he is down at number nine. He was, he is, last he was a qualifier last year. He was qualifier last year. He was he might have been like a round of twelve finisher last year. He was yeah. he was ranked in the top ten to start the year. And currently on the outside looking in to qualify. Um
1: And then you mentioned Thomas, right, with six qualifiers. We had Thomas as the five seed, but then he lost to Peyton Robbs backup kill blicking. Yeah. And you gotta be you gotta be penalized for that.
0: Yeah. yeah. So so 157 is going to be a crazy bracket. Some really good guys are not going to get in. Mike Van Brill, you know, is, is solid. Um, Luke Gardner in for Penn State. It sounds like we don't know for sure. Right. That one's up in send. the air too. It could, be, it could be Gardner. It could be Pfeiffer. Um, so that's, you know, that's going to be tough. 165, eight auto qualifiers. Gatekeeper there. Bailey O'Reilly of Minnesota. Um, so below him, Drew Hughes of Michigan State. Who's Round 12. He's around of 12. Um and then Cochran of Maryland. Cochran, uh, who was
1: a Super 32 champ. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> these are really good guys that, yeah. that, that aren't going to get in. Uh, Meisinger of of Michigan, we have him 12th. They've been using a couple different guys since Van android got hurt. So it could, be, could also be Reese Hughes. Um, yeah, man. I mean, a, a, again, getting where do you fall in the bracket. That, I mean, the single most important round for Big Tens is that first round, that round of 16. Yeah. Because... You know, every match you lose, like in place every match you lose doubles the amount of matches you have to win on the backside. Sure. So the, if you can get in to that quarterfinals, then you have some, a, a much easier pass. So pulling an upset in the first round of Big Tens, rare, but incredibly important.
0: Yeah. Um, at 174, nine auto qualifiers, and uh, gatekeeper is Tyler Moreland of Northwestern. <clears throat> um, who
1: battled a lot of injuries this year.
0: He did. Uh, so below him. Maryland's Spadafora. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's at ten. He's probably Maryland's best shot at getting a, a qualifier this year. Yeah, he might
1: be there. Might be the only one
0: they've got. I mean, they they have you know Jones at fifty seven is tough, um, tough ninety seven pounder, but. None of, their, none of their guys right now are, are currently sitting in, in spots where they're expected to get in, but he's he's one spot at OA. And
1: then, um, you know, we have Kovach 11th, but he hasn't wrestled in February, and I don't believe he's in the coaches' ranking. So it sounds like we – or well, wasn't entered in the coach's ranking. So it sounds like we're not going to see Kovach. So Indiana's yeah. terrible injury luck continues because <laughs> – Yeah,
0: it's too bad.
1: Kovach Kovac has wins over guys that are, you know, allocated or seeded to get in. Um, Hudkins, you know, obviously, I mean, Cronin could get in on his own, but mm-hmm. Hudkins was obviously doing very well. So, mm-hmm. um, just not an ideal season injury wise for coach Escobedo's Hoosiers.
0: Yeah. Uh, 184 10 qualifiers we mentioned. Um, and we have Max Lyon <laughs> sitting at rank number 10. Uh, but this
1: weight, holy hell.
0: Yeah. Below, below him. Jelani Embry is, is sitting at 11. Currently not. Who has a winner of the,
1: the two seed guy ranked second.
0: Yeah. Um, Jessen has has a couple good wins i think as well so 184 is is a bizarre we we've we've known this right we talked about this on one of our Friday editions of frl that 184 is is completely wild up in the air um it's really hard to pick you know who's going to win here but even to figure out who's going to qualify i think could be could be pretty interesting so all these guys have had moments where they look like they you know they could place really high in this tournament but
1: what did you think of my seeds what, what i finally shook it out with uh they are let's see they're a little different than than the ranking than the rankings so i went and again there's no way to do this without somebody raising their hand and going well this guy beat this guy this guy mm-hmm. beat this guy yeah i get it i get it it's not pretty this is what i came up with yeah uh brooks Kaffee, assad at the top those i make, think those make sense i think that's pretty clear yep Yes, Assad, or excuse me, yes, Brooks lost to Taylor Venz. We are all aware of that. Everyone knows that. However, that was his only loss, uh, and and he beat Assad. Now, you could you could honestly make a case wins wise that Caffey could be ahead of Brooks because he beat Venz. He has more total wins throughout the year, and he has better wins throughout the year. Um, however. He has losses Mm -hmm. that you can't ignore. And the Venn's loss is better than the Embry loss. Um, And then he also lost to Janzer and uh, one more. I can't remember off the top of my head. I believe it was Bronigal that he split with. So because of that, we got Caffey, too. Assad is the only one that I can think of. Assad's the only one I can think of that doesn't have a loss to a guy below him. So I made him three with the losses to Brooks and Caffey.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Okay, so we're good with there. How about this? Four, five, six.
0: This is where there's there's I feel like a lot of discrepancy. Um, you have it, Vens, Janzer, Webster, and even through seven, Webster, Jordan, uh, Dan Siebring, our Ranker has it, Jordan, Vens, Bronigal, Janzer, and Webster all the way down at eight. Um, so so what's the what's the difference there? What how did you get where you got?
1: So basically, Taylor Vens had a very very good season. Outside of this one stretch where he went one and three. Yeah. The one was very good. He beat the one seed, Aaron Brooks, but he also lost to Kaffee, Assad, and Jordan. That's what's going to pull him down to four. Um, again, yes, I know he beat the one seed, and it sets up an interesting potential semifinal where the four beat the one, but you get pulled down a little bit for there. Uh, at number five, we have Janzer. Janzer and Webster both beat Rocky Jordan. So that's kind of how, how that mm-hmm. shook out. Um, their tiebreaker, I, as I read in the article, the tiebreaker was Jelani Embry. Webster was 0-2 against Embry. Janser beat him. So again, Embry, <laughs> screwing things up. Yeah. Um, he kind of he maybe prevented Caffey from being the one, and he maybe prevented uh, Webster from being the five, mm-hmm. which five or six is a big difference. Big difference. Yeah. Uh, and then... As I said, Jordan lost to both those guys. But Rocky Jordan beat Venz. I was there, saw that match. So you have a case with a 7 beat the 4. Um, we could really go on and on about this for the entire time, but that's how they shook out the articles up on the site. Let me know what you think. Uh, 197, 6 auto qualifiers. As you said, very little room for error.
0: Yeah. And so right now, Shakur Rashid is the, is the gatekeeper there. Um, he's ranked 6th in the Big Ten rankings. Jordan Pagano ranks below him, and Jordan Pagano has had a really nice... Really nice moments this year. Beat Brucky. He, yeah, he beat, he just beat Pat Brucky in a duel against against Princeton. Um, and, you know, the way that conference seedings tend to work, those matches outside the conference don't factor in quite as much. Um, so regardless, either Pagano is going to be ranked or seated to be outside the top six, or he's going to bump somebody down like Lucas Davison or Shakur Rashid. Um, so it's, it's kind of a top-heavy bracket. But there are guys in this bracket that are very, very dangerous. Um, I think 197 at big 10 is, is a bracket with a lot of potential for some really good guys to mm-hmm. to get bumped out of the top six and then take away those auto auto qualifying or those um, at large spots. So check out the guys below here. We mentioned Jordan Pagano. He's got a win over Pat Brucky. Who's an all American last year has been ranked as high as I think second or third this year. Um, Jackson Strzegow from Michigan has, has good moments. He's capable of knocking people off. Jaron Smith in Maryland, uh, he had a he had a win recently that was that was mm-hmm. impressive. I'm trying to remember. Lee did he beat Lucas Davison? Who did he? Beat? Uh,
1: maybe yeah. And and you know he's had good freestyle results too. Um, Hunter Ritter. I mean, this is a guy that wrestled in who's number one. He's yeah. obviously battled injuries and transferred, but a guy talent wise that could certainly uh, break into that top six. So yeah, 97 is going to be um, four guys there that could a little bit of a crapshoot.
0: Could cause a lot of problems.
1: 285, seven auto qualifiers, and the top half, I think, is just what it's going to be. Um, you know, no disrespect to uh, Thomas Panola, Luke Luffman, Alex Esposito, but I just think the top seven is going to be the seven. Just what order are they going to get shaken up into?
0: Yeah, Panola, it, you know, has been ranked this year. He's had some good moments, but um, yeah, the, the guys ahead of him, um, directly ahead of him, are Nevilles Traub, and then Jensen. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that he has a win over, over guys of that caliber yet this year. So, um, so yeah, interesting stuff. Draw that line for all the conferences. It's really uh, re- really kind of you know, You learn some things looking at who's supposed to be out and who's not.
1: In addition to the allocations being out, we have the final coaches ranking in RPI. And what that allows us to do is, well, it allows people like me to start nerding out and figuring out What needs to happen at conference tournaments for certain seeds to shake out? Now, I had an all-time conspiracy theory ready for you guys. I mean, it was absolutely (laughs) diabolical. Yeah, yeah,
0: it was diabolical. So I have to
1: say it. I have to say it, but the numbers didn't shake out correctly. So there was a a chance, depending upon how the quality win points shook out, (laughs) that Penn State could have Chenzo and Marinelli meet in the finals. Chenzo med forfeits to Marinelli. Gives and they end up they end up with both or maybe even injury default and they end up with both both having a loss. Griffith goes up to the one seed. Marinelli and Chenzo two three, and what that would allow Penn State to do now it's a huge gamble it's a huge gamble. What would allow Penn State to do is try to get first place points from Chenzo and top out Marinelli at third place points,
0: which is a six and a half point difference,
1: which is a big difference now. It's a huge gamble because Marinelli's two and one against Chenzo. Yes, Chenzo got the most recent one, uh, but you're then also putting yourself at risk of maxing out a third place points, and then you know Iowa getting first or second depending on how Marinelli Griffith match goes.
0: Now, but now hold on, hold on. You posed this. How theory, insane would that be? You posed this theory in, in our in our group chat, and everyone immediately. Was I like, didn't.
1: I didn't realize it came out like like I heard that this was no, going no, to no, happen. no 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 no. Oh, I don't think it came out that way. Yeah, I yeah. thought
0: it was just you 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 know cooking it up in your you know in your in your with your tinfoil hat and whatever uh but everyone was like that's a huge risk that's you know a bad idea nobody would do that nobody will try that they won't try it but then you you ultimately decided that it won't happen for a different reason which was
1: well it's just the whoever wins big 10 if chenzo marinelli win big tens they will be the one they'll be the
0: one, the one. so the obviously wick war. and
1: white However small their likelihood is, like Wick and White could win, and then that could obviously upset the whole apple cart. But if it's Chenzo or Marinelli as expected, they'll be the one. And it could even potentially push uh, Griffith down to the three. Right now Griffith is first in RPI, Marinelli's second. Chenzo doesn't have one. Um, Somebody pointed out when I was saying this on Twitter yesterday that Chenzo could end up with the first RPI. So anyway, it was an all-time theory because I have thought about this from the – Freestyle end Internet, yeah. where I've said, okay, what is the situation in which America – and this would mainly apply to Russia – but America loses in the semis, knocks Russia out, maxes them out at zero points. America gets 15 for bronze, and so instead of it being 25 uh, for USA and 15 for Russia, which is a plus 10 margin, zero for Russia, 15 for USA, which is a plus 15 margin. Yeah. So I'm th- – you you're trying to win a title. You're trying sure. to win a title. You you take every precaution necessary, right? I mean, don't don't take every precaution. We, necessary. We, you know, we spent the whole week talking about if if Kirkley could get in, yeah. which I by the way, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I was told a while ago Ohio State cleared him. It's 100% a Big Ten thing. It's 100% if the Big Ten allows him to wrestle this year. There was even a possibility – I don't know how big the possibility was, but it was just like – it was literally on the table as an option that he would still have to – that he would forego a year of eligibility. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to wrestle at Big Tens. Um, But I don't know. I was not participatory in these conversations, but I know they were talking about an FRL. Um, because it would be a huge, huge domino. Yeah. And so similarly, you investigate. If you're Penn State, you st- you investigate that, right? You investigate can Kirkley wrestle, right? You investigate how to maximize your team points. You investigate, you know, with Bergie out, Joe Lee down at 157. You investigate.
0: Yeah.
1: Alex Marinelli potentially trying to finagle him into third place. Sure. You know. Um. And of course, it could just happen. Like Shane Griffith could just beat those guys yeah. and just make it happen on well, their own. I mean. But I'm just saying, like. You have to start thinking outside the box when you got to thread the needle.
0: Yeah, I mean, in fairness, in fairness to uh, to your wacky theory, um, we have seen Penn State forfeit med forfeit in in the finals of Big Tens, right? Shakur yeah, she did. That. Um, we've seen other. We've seen Penn State and other schools med forfeit after you get to the semis and you've earned that qualifying spot right stefan mitches did that last year nolf uh, and uh,
1: Kemmer did that
0: so uh yeah <laughs> nolf and kemerer did, and did they had, it they had double sixth. yes yeah, suriano did six. it suriano when did, did that. You so, so we've seen that we've seen that happen over and over so that the fact of somebody med forfeiting out um that would not be a new thing to see at big tens the, the thing that would be new would be um, doing it for this specific reason, right? The int- int-
1: intentionally doing it to, to gain the seeds. But not even gain the seeds. You know what? I'm, I'm not even calling that gaming. That's just smart because you know what? Just put on the table. I would do it. I would do it because I'm that psychopathically I would, competitive. I
0: wouldn't, do, wouldn't psychopathically competitive compel you to win the actual wrestling match? No, wouldn't psychopathically
1: that, competitive means you are trying to minimize their points and maximize your own.
0: Yeah, I guess you would – You, would, I guess it depends on what context in which you want to be psychopathically competitive.
1: Psychopathically competitive is win a team title and get Vincenzo – you can simultaneously get a team title and Vincenzo
0: gets his third NCAA title. Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. Maybe so. But if that requires – so I'm just if saying. If that requires to bow out of a competition in which you could have entered, I feel like that uh, – that, that I don't know. I don't know. I think that like maybe limits how competitive you can say that you are. Well – I mean, I you've lost to the guy. You've lost to the guy twice. You've only beaten him once. I hear you. You're gonna want to end your career.
1: Bray, it's a two, huge. You're gonna
0: want to end your career three and two against that guy instead of two and two.
1: Right. it's a huge risk. I understand that. I'm not even However, talking about the risk. Oh, I'm yeah, talking yeah.
0: about the competitive factor. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, I don't know, but. OK, well, um,
1: let's also let's also real quick talk about 133.
0: Oh, yeah. And yes. so kind
1: of the question throughout the year was Chaz Tucker, because mm-hmm. Chaz Tucker keeps floating along winning matches
0: and not just floating along. I mean, he's, I'm he's, sorry,
1: floating you know, floating along that, that that is that is mean to, to Chaz he, Tucker. He
0: hasn't he hasn't seen uh, the, the top four. Right. He hasn't seen um, Gross. He hasn't seen Seabass. He hasn't seen RBY and he hasn't seen DeSanto. Other than that though, he's he's had a he's had good wins. He's he hasn't He's beaten Bridges, any he's beaten Alvarez, yeah. like
1: he he has wrestled everyone on his schedule yeah. and has beaten them all. Yeah. So he hasn't ducked anybody, hasn't missed anything. Yeah. So floating along, I apologize to Tucker, I I didn't mean that negatively. I'm just saying he's kind of been in the background. Yep. So what it all hinges on for for after conference weekend is quality win points.
0: Yeah.
1: So right now and um Quality wins, I, I put this, I was talking to Lee Roper on Twitter yesterday, um, so you guys can go check that out, and, and I've done it a hundred times before. But quality win points, there's a tiering system, right? Mm-hmm. So there's six tiers of quality wins, and you assign points for all of them. Um, once the field is set, uh, every win over a qualifier is worth at least half a quality win point. So if you're the 33rd guy in the bracket, you get 0.5 for, if you beat that guy during the regular season. Okay. So there's still like, you know, two or three points from those half points that are kind of floating around. But yep, yep. using using the coach's rank in the RPI now, and assuming some qualification spots, obviously, Seth Gross, 27.5 quality win points. Austin DeSanto, 18.5 quality win points. Roman Brava Young, 13.5 quality win points. Sebastian Rivera, 12. Chaz Tucker, 19. Hmm. So, hmm. you have a situation, and again, you and, and if you beat someone, you only get that quality win point once. Okay. So, uh, Tucker beat Montoya Bridges twice this year. He doesn't get, multi, he doesn't get double points for which beating all, Bridges.
0: Which also, just to pause, that's that's probably why like Shane Griffith can't be the one is because if he, be, he he would beat Shields again, right? But which is a huge win. He huge, would get points for Huge that. win, but he wouldn't get the points. Yep. Right,
1: right, exactly, exactly. So, so, but on the same spectrum, if DeSanto beats Gross again, mm-hmm. he's already got those points. If yep. Gross beats DeSanto again, he's already got those points. If Gross beats RBY again, he already has those points. So, or CBass. He's got or C Bass, right, exactly. He's beaten he's beaten all.
0: Gross cannot get more quality win points right. from those from those guys. Now,
1: DeSanto could pick up quality win points over RBY, DeSanto could pick up quality win points over C Bass, C one down the line, right? So the, depending on how the quality win points shake out, you could have and, and who, who wins the conference. But right now, right now on paper, it looks like if Seth Gross wins Big Tens. Chaz Tucker will be the two, maybe the three, depending on how DeSanto's quality win points shake out. Because they're all they'll, all those guys will have losses. All the Big Ten guys will have losses. So if Chaz Tucker wins the IWS, he'll have zero losses, so he'll get win percentage. If, like, say DeSanto or RBY wins Big Tens, or even Rivera, um, Tucker will probably be the three. But either way, it's looking like Tucker will be the fulcrum that breaks up those guys. I don't see any path for Tucker to get the one, though, that's unless gonna, the coach's rank...
0: That's what I was just going to ask.
1: Unless the coach's rank changes, which that's part of why Griffith can't go up, because if you have Chenzo, one, and Marinelli, two, in the coach's rank, yeah, and then Griffith, three... Why would your logic change?
0: Yeah, unless they to lose to jump. Unless they lose to somebody other than right,
1: right. If they lose to the Wicker White sure. but why would your logic change? You would either keep it the same or you would flip. Chen- you know, Chenzo Marinelli right. if Marinelli beats Chenzo. Right. So it's a similar thing. Like if any of in the coaches rank, if any of Gross, RBY, Desanto win Big Tens, they're still going to be ahead of Chaz Tucker. But it still looks like Chaz Tucker will be the one to break them, break them up.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, so, one question about quality win points. So, uh, RBY beat DeSanto by injury default. Does that count as a quality win? That counts. So, RB, so any win that RBY has over DeSanto will not be, there's no quality win points up, up for grabs in that potential. Correct. Okay.
1: Another thing, and I asked about this yesterday, mo- mainly tied into my Cenzo Marinelli uh, theory. Yeah. As of now, it does not appear that med forfeits – forfeits definitely don't count. Like, dual-meet forfeits definitely don't count for RPI – or uh, for quality win points. Med forfeits, that appears, do not count for quality win points. Okay. So okay. if a guy bows out in the finals um, – we'll just use the Chenzo Marinelli one since that was my tinfoil hat theory. Uh, Marinelli would not get those quality win points right, over Chenzo.
0: All right, all right, all right. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm thinking about the Kevin Dresser – tournament of champions mm-hmm. so not only did did uh marcus coleman up his match number but he got a quality win over johnny sebastian over johnny sebastian that's correct that's wild now that that is completely wild and that that quality win right that may that may have been the you know the, the thing that Bumped him up, and that may be something that helps him in a seed, like well, in, the, in a seed differential coming into the NCAA well, tournament. Well, that's right? like
1: the year that the Suriano year, somebody got a quality win over him when he did the one second injury default at yeah. Big Tens. Yeah,
0: yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, somebody got a quality win over him, but somebody didn't hand move him into the bracket to get the quality win. That's that's my point. Sure. Interesting. Um, okay, okay.
1: Speaking of calamitous things. The Asian Olympic qualifier does not have a home right now. No. It's homeless. So on February 20th, so a little over a week ago, United World Wrestling put out a, uh, a release. It was originally scheduled for Xi'an China. I'm not sure. Xi'an, Xi'an China. It was then moved to Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan.
0: Okay. Yeah. Just down the road.
1: Fine. Uh, yesterday, our friend Ivan Freestyle on Twitter uh, linked to a news article from Kyrgyzstan and the administration for sport and child safety and whatever said, that's off. That's canceled. Nope. So I, go so ahead. my first thing was, okay, well, they're going to need to do the – you know, this is all due to coronavirus. They're going to need to do this in Iran. Well, I go to the mat forums, and there's a couple of Iranians in the mat forums, and they're like, yeah, the training camp has been canceled, which that, that information all comes they, – they just basically copy and paste the information that comes from the Iranian Federation website.
0: And, and Iran did not – like to cancel training camps.
1: No, they train camps last forever. They're eight months long. So the Asian Olympic qualifier does not have a home right now. And I don't have any update on it. And this is not to slam UWW. This is to say like coronavirus is impacting the Olympics, whether the Olympics happen or not, it's impacting them.
0: Yeah. This is not slamming UWW at all. Like we, so obviously we're, you know, we're in a, a sports media company that covers not just wrestling. We've got somebody right now from our staff covering a bikes event who is stuck somewhere abroad right he can't he can't get out of of the country right we've got events left and right getting canceled sporting events that are happening around the globe so it's yeah this is not a uww thing this is this coronavirus is like it's impacting not only the economy but now you know bleeding into sports you know and and in an olympic year yeah there's been talk that that the olympics themselves might be canceled we don't think that's going to happen but um there's so much money involved i just don't see that yeah it doesn't seem like that would happen but uh but the Asian qualifier is pretty critical to formulating the brackets that are gonna yeah. ha- they're gonna happen at, at the Olympics. So, um, yeah, really crazy. Especially, uh, yeah, I mean, especially you know the men's freestyle side. Seeing which which ones of those guys get in is gonna be gonna be crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. So I don't have an update. I just wanted to make you guys aware of it because it's a, it's a thing and it's bad and you know. UW has to work with, you know, CDC, whatever of, you know, all these Asian countries to figure out, but it could host the Asian Olympic qualifier, like not in Asia.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They might have to, but you know what I mean? Like, but uh, yeah, they might have to, I don't know how you get, if there are travel bans, I don't know how athletes get from a country in which they can't travel to some neutral site that's, that's in a different continent. But, um, yeah, I mean, that might have to happen. So who knows? Who knows nice. what's going to happen there? Trophy talk? Trophy talk. So I've really enjoyed – I have the last article in a series coming out today. Um, really enjoyed writing a, an article series. We mentioned it last week looking at a bunch of the teams that have been in the top four trophy contention. So those of you that don't know, they give out four trophies at the NCAA championships for the top four teams. And so what I did was I took uh, the projected team points that – we had for each of the teams ranked one, two, three, and four every mm-hmm. week this year. And then I, I averaged out, you know, what it what it t- would take to finish in first place, second place, third place, fourth place. And then kind of looked at that. I took that average of the fourth place teams and that's the number that you got to figure any team's going to have to clear, right? That's the hurdle that you got to get over if you mm-hmm. want to win the trophy. Um, so that number was 53.26, something like that. Uh, but what that means, Excluding first of all, bonus. that's including bonus points, right? So that's a pre-bonus number. Right. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of years, teams, c- you know, can can count on minimum of you know ten bonus points up sure, to, yeah. to twenty, whatever. Uh, but we didn't we didn't look at bonus points for that series. And so I would encourage you to go go look at that if you're you know if you're a fan of any one of these teams, um, go check that out. It's really cool to kind of see how each individual on the team contributed to the team's. Points throughout the year and how those progress, but I I now that I'm done with that series, I pulled a bunch of numbers and then I wanted to compare teams go. and look and see kind of which which teams are, are best in, in certain areas. And so I haven't shown you this information, so I wanted to ask you a, a couple of your thoughts about this uh, questions about about some some teams this year. So one of the things I was really curious to know this is gonna be good is what uh, you know what teams are have had um, the highest average point score throughout the entire season, right? So if you take the points they are projected to score each week in the rankings, um, you know, what what are the top four? And by the way, Iowa is like always number one. Penn State is always number two. So beyond that, uh, who would you imagine to be um, teams three and four in terms of the average points they've been projected to score this year?
1: I would imagine there were points where Sasso was one, Pletcher was one, and Colin Moore was one. So I would imagine that the highest third place total came from an Ohio State team.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, and, and there's two ways to talk about the high, right? There is the highest. Average number, like the average number of points that the whole team is predicted to score throughout the year. And then there's also the sum of the individual's um, highest ranking. Mm -hmm. So, what that looks like is like, let's say, you know, you were ranked number one in the country and I was ranked number one in the country, but we were ranked number one in the country in different weeks. Uh, When you look at the average, you look at like each week, what was the projection, and then average that. When you look at the high individual. So, saying
1: Luke Pletcher was ranked number one for a good portion of the year um, at some point so you basically you take his number 1 and Sammy Sasso's number 1 right. acknowledging that Sassa was also down here yeah. and you know Pletcher is now number 2 behind Nick Lee but just theoretically if they were ranked that high they could theoretically end up being a national champ right. so that's what you're saying you're pulling them from you're pulling the, the best version of that guy right and the worst version of that guy as well
0: right so um Ohio State did have the third highest average number of points they uh they were cons- you know consistently you know, most consistently the, the third highest scoring team. And so, um, yeah, so it was Ohio State. And then any guess on what was fourth after Ohio State?
1: I'm going to say Wisconsin.
0: That's right. It was Wisconsin. Here's where things get interesting. If you take that other high number,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the, um, the high of – the sum of all of the individuals' rankings, right? So the best version of your 10 starters, and you add that all together. Iowa's still number one. Penn State's still number two. But there's a team that's number three that is neither Ohio State nor Wisconsin. Who is that team?
1: Uh, is it Arizona State with Zahid? It's not. Okay. Um, yeah. Is it – oh boy somebody's
0: gonna be upset that you can't come up with this team
1: um
0: is it princeton it's nebraska Ooh. it's the nebraska Cornhuskers. so if you look at uh nebraska's um let me pull this up here yeah
1: i know where you're pulling from here buddy there we if go if you
0: look at uh the highest so the the sum of the high individual points for Nebraska that is seventy four and a half points compared to Ohio oh, wow. State's which is seventy two. Wow! Um, even
1: with Ohio State having three separate number ones. Yep. Because Nebraska, mm, they haven't had anyone ranked number one.
0: They haven't, but they have. So that means they,
1: their their team depth is.
0: They have really really solid team depth. So wow. Um. So yeah. So that that is really interesting to me. Uh. Looking at all these numbers and comparing teams together, it does seem that our current top four are probably the four with the best chances to um, to bring home those team trophies. But the article series is really interesting because there is a clear path to team trophy for a lot of these teams. Um, one of the things that is, okay, so looking
1: at this now, you took out Arizona State because of heat, and you took out or you didn't take out Northern Iowa, but Northern Iowa's went down. No Holschlag. Yeah. Although, so you excluded well, those.
0: No, no, th- this, these numbers still include Holschlag. These these Northern what? Iowa numbers still include Holschlag. yeah. So he ain't wrestling, dog. Well, I'm just looking at what the season looked like for sure. these guys. So I'm not, yeah. Th- um, this is just to look at what what happened this year, not to look at what you know what mm-hmm. we're, project, where we're projecting them to finish. Um, so and and that was kind of part of the interesting thing about the article series is to look at. I mean, if an injury impacts a team, like that is a valuable bit of information to think about. So in the Penn State article, you know, you see this this kind of sharp decline. Well. That's related to Anthony Cassar. That's related to Kyle Cannell, who's hurt. That's related to Brady Berge who's hurt, right? And so that that graph tells that story, I think, and that's that's yeah, I what's mean, interesting about it. Cassar
1: was one. At the time he was hurt, Cannell was not number three, but he started the year number three. And Bergie was
0: so fifth high five or six. Or six. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's massive points that Penn State lost. Uh, all right, so you you probably already know this. What do you think is the highest or sharpest growth, the team that, that had the lowest number at one point, the lowest ranking at one point, and then, and then grew the, the sharpest.
1: It has to be Purdue. It when is. I was looking at the – when I did my midseason awards yeah. and I gave it to Tony Ersland, it was in part because he had, I think, four guys who were unranked or outside the top ten who climbed in the top ten. Yeah. yeah, they, That's really impressive.
0: To start the year, the preseason, they were projected to score nine and a half points at the NCAA tournament. Have mm. Zero All-Americans. They, their team has, has grown to a week where they were projected to score 46. And if you add up all of their individuals' best performances, they are projected to score 56.5, which that would clear that, that bar. So they're a very outside shot team at winning a trophy, but they've got the, the, the pieces in place that they could make it happen. A couple of things that well, are... And, oh, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say, and we kind of talked about this at the very beginning of the year when we, when we realized that the third and fourth is going to be tough is, you know, the the programs that I brought up then were the ones that you felt very confident had at least one ace in the hole. Mm-hmm. So at the time, that was, you know, Arizona State was the heat, which is not happened, but Wisconsin was gross. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, you know, again, Gable, at the beginning of the year we didn't know, but now Minnesota with Gable. Um, so th- those two have... Like the the, again, the ace in the hole, the the big bull in the chamber. Mm -hmm. Whereas some of these teams, you know, Nebraska, yeah, we certainly acknowledge the team depth, but yeah, you know, can could Isaiah White get seventh? Sure, that would slightly be underperform his seed, but that's Mm -hmm. the that's the when you have 10 guys, they all have to perform as opposed to just like a couple big guns doing really well.
0: Yeah, um, Northern Iowa is an interesting team, uh, in that they lost all those points from Holschlag, but. You know, they, they've made up some ground in uh, Lujan now being ranked number one. So, mm-hmm. you know, that'll be interesting. 184 and 149 are going to have a lot to do with who ends up in the third and fourth place team slots, um, especially so if you look at teams that have guys who could score points at those weight classes. You and I, right, Max Thompson hasn't had, uh, you know, his best year, but he's been an All-American as a freshman. And so if he can get on the stand at 49 and then Taylor Lujan – is currently ranked number one with Sahid out if if lujan can get a title those are massive points right those two weight classes princeton Mm -hmm. princeton's a team that um they are currently ranked fifth and uh have been you know projected to score as high as 50 points the highest they've been projected to score if you add up all their individuals, at 56. But that's with closet coming in as number four. Sure. If he ends up finishing, if he ends up winning it, which he can, he's the most accomplished wrestler in that field. He's a three-time All-American. Three-time Nobody a. A. else yeah. is. Nobody else is. If he, if he does end up winning, that's going to put him over 60 points. Like that, you know, mm-hmm. that that could be a trophy performance from that team, right? Um, you know, you look at Nebraska. They've had good moments at times from Purrington and other moments that he hasn't been as good. Same with Venz. Um, that they can make up a lot of ground in those. So legs. if you're
1: looking at like. A fulcrum for each one, yeah. right? And I'll just go down the order here that you that you have, I man. I'm not sure what how this is organized, here, I'll,
0: put, I'll but, put them in. A, I'll put them in a, a better order for you. Um, yeah. Uh, so so what's the what are you looking for a fulcrum fulcrum wise?
1: So basically, I'm looking for this the person that is the most important to each team's chances of maximizing their team points. That's all right. It's fine. It's fine the way it is. Um. So for Iowa, for me, it's probably. Um, Caleb Young
0: yeah,
1: I think Caleb Young has had the greatest variety of results And so consistent performance from him A high placing performance from him would do the most For Penn State It's Aaron Brooks Mm
0: -hmm.
1: For Ohio State It's Sammy Sasso Sasso. Not because of necessarily Sasso's inconsistencies But just because of 149 Yeah, You know yes he had the the one The the loss to Brent Moore um, But otherwise has been Rock solid all year Mm -hmm. For Wisconsin it's Tristan Moran yeah. Right. Tristan Moran has flashed the most, but he's also you know he just he just lost to to Blockus, who right now is not considered to be an All-American guy um, at this point in his career. He could certainly end up on the podium at another time. For Nebraska, probably Chad Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you mentioned Purinton. I mean Purinton certainly. I guess I just I don't know I think, if he can be an, yeah. an All-American, but definitely for seeding and, and Big Ten performance, uh, Purinton is important for them. For NC State, it's Tariq. Yeah. You know, um, let's see. Minnesota. Well, Minnesota, I, I wouldn't have said Mitch McKee before, but now I would. And then, you know, Pat McKee hasn't wrestled. So the McKee brothers, I'd say kind of both of them equally important. Uh, Northern Iowa, Max Thompson.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All American, round 12, round 12. So got to get him on the podium. Yeah. Princeton is, as you said, Kolodzik. Purdue. I. Uh, Schroeder, Bruner. Yeah. Um, I guess Coleman, too. You know, Cole, Coleman had a concussion. They, Purdue's got a lot of ways they can go. And then Oklahoma State. Um, boo.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, he could win a title or you – know, He has got pinned was, by Lugo. He was, he's got pinned by Lugo, and that is a super competitive weight class. So, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to look forward to with this team race, and mm-hmm. there's just so much that's unknown. I'm really um, glad to have kind of had the chance to break that down and, and look at it.
1: So let's finish this off with um, just a few, you know,
0: state tournaments and um,
1: you know things to 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 keep an eye on. Uh, How about this? Kansas five A two twenty. You have a you have potential top five uh, nationally, top five nationally final between number five K Lout and number two Kyle Haas. So that's kind of rare for uh, for Kansas um, and especially Lout last year, coming off the loss to. Uh, he lost to Wired Hendrickson. So, again, that's why you got to look at who is in these brackets. Uh, 113, California started yesterday. You know, you're looking at a potential one between Richie Figs and Joey Cruz. Um, Cruz did take the one in Flonats, but otherwise that has been all Richie Figs. Um, and so it's just a matter of can Richie Figs hold on to his, his number one ranking? Uh, this weekend, Keegan O'Toole. Uh, they started yesterday in Wisconsin. Can the number one ranked 160 pounder close out his career on top? Uh, Pat Kennedy, who is number one at 182, can he close out his career number one in Minnesota? Uh, Pennsylvania going through their their regional tournaments, so we'll have brackets for that uh, next week. And let's see if there's anyone else that I'm missing. Uh, Michigan, you know, number two Austin Boone and. Uh, number one, Facundo, they have their uh, regionals or whatever the, the week before mm-hmm. um, Michigan is. Oh, Chase Saldate in California looking yeah. at potential one with, with uh, Sunny Santiago. And, of course, Saldate already going to PWC. Santiago was state champ last year. Can he kind of spoil that ending for Saldate? Um, so a lot of things to keep on. Oh, Braxton Amos. Number one Braxton Amos uh, will finish out his career this weekend. So a lot of a lot of highly ranked guys. Kind of ending their careers this this weekend, um, and you know we don't really have a lot of them, but just we, we wanted to uh, mention them and bring them up. Uh, next on Monday, I think I want to dive a little bit deeper into how conference tournaments can impact seating, yeah. NCAA seating. Yeah. Um, we should have Big Ten seeds on Monday, but those will probably come out after
0: uh, after we do the show.
1: After we do the show, so maybe we can kind of. Speculate a little bit of there. Um, also, see if we can get an update on the Asian qualifier. Um, give you an update on how some of these these high school tournaments shook out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're done with your trophy hunter series. Yep. So what is the next thing coming up for you?
0: So we've got EIWA preview coming up, and then I'm going to be switching gears and looking forward to PIWAs. I'm heading out to pennsylvania to hershey for the first time really excited to check it out pennsylvania yeah, baby. state term is going to be outstanding we've got next week big tens live on the site we've got EIWAs live on the site and of course all the other d1 conferences are going to be going on so there's going to be a lot to prepare ourselves for and mm-hmm. uh we're man looking forward to it. this is go time for us
1: if you watch who's number one the show you already know this but i'm gonna go ahead and plug it uh Brock Height, who does our high school rankings, he'll be doing he'll be re, uh, updating his freshman champions article, which he did last year. So talking about all the freshman champions in the history of the PIAA. He'll be doing upperweight and lowerweight previews for both AA and AAA. And then our man JD Raider has been doing the top guys to watch in every grade, mm-hmm. you know, in every class. Um, and then he's going to be doing a college. I think he might have already done it actually. A college watch guy, as far as these guys are committed to these Division one schools, and then he'll be doing a best uncommitted. So ton of piaa content for you ton of big 10 content i'll be finishing up my seeds um hopefully today went with 197 285 uh and then bray said he'll be doing eiwa i don't know when eiwa preseeds come out i was told acc preseeds are coming out like tuesday or wednesday so they're kind of late mm-hmm. um but yeah we will try to we'll, we'll try to give you as much as we can about conference weekend and you know the high school postseason when we come back on monday
0: all right Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time.